talk about this uh, series that we've been on called Builders. This is the last in a five-part series that I've been talking on. And I, I really, the whole premises of this, this series is that we are all builders. Every one of us are building, we're building something, but not everything that we're building is going to produce eternal rewards, or is it going to last even here on this earth? And so we need to make sure that we're building on the right foundation, that we're building on God, and that we're building things that are going to make a difference, life-giving difference. And so uh, we started out with the scripture that I want to go ahead and take uh, you to right now, and it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we'll begin with verse 13. It says, but on the judgment day, fire will, will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. I think all of us want to add value. In every, every area of our life, we want to add value. And uh, some of us are, are building intentionally, and some of us are just uh, going through life, and we're building. We're just not building good things, and so we need to make sure that we're building things of value. And then verse 14 says, If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The, the builder will be saved, by li- by, but like someone barely escaping through the walls of flames. And so we've been talking about how builders, uh, all of us are building, we're building in a variety of different areas. Just for a quick recap for you that haven't been with us, and that's this, is that we're building relationships, we're building marriages, we're building businesses, we're building uh, reputations, we're building influence, we're building uh, a legacy, we're building uh, all kinds of different things in our life. We're building and uh, and so we're all building, but what we want to be make make sure that we're doing is that we're building what is eternal. And we've been talking about building the local church and the importance of doing that. Many times, that's the very thing that gets neglected for some reason. And I honestly feel like there's uh, somebody was asking me, I, why is it that people have problems to come to church for an hour, hour and a half a week? And, and really, they were just like, man, it's the best thing for them. It feeds life, and, and it impacts their, their marriages in every area of their life. But why is it that people have a problem coming to church for less time than it takes to watch a movie? And, 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 it, and people watch movies every day uh, that take longer time than it does to come to church. And I said, you know, really, it's probably two things. One, it's spiritual. There's a spiritual opposition that it's, that's really influencing and opposing the things of God. And really, there's, a anti, there's an anti-Christ spirit in this world, the Bible talks about, that has caused people to be anti-church. And, and so that's one of the reasons why that whole, that whole mindset that church is optional, it, it, isn't, it shouldn't be optional in people's minds. It is a necessity that we need to feed life into our lives, into our families, into our marriages, into our businesses, into every area of our life. It's a necessity, but so many people have taken on and been influenced by that spirit of antichrist that has caused us to be anti-church. Does that make sense? And, and, and so we, we need to make sure that we're focusing in on building what is of value, which is the local church that will make a huge eternal impact in our lives. And so I have a heart for the local church. It was through the local church that my life was reached. And I'm so grateful for the local church. 
And, and so we've been talking about what it looks like. We've been taking some different people in the Bible. And many times we read about these people in the Bible not realizing that this is, these are historical facts and these are real life people that once lived. They once lived, and, and, and the first person, obviously, that we took a look at was the life of the Lord Jesus. And that Jesus was the builder. He was a builder and still is a builder. And, and matter of fact, Matthew 16, 18 tells us that he said, I tell you, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then we discovered in uh, Ephesians 4 that he builds through his local church. And so we talked on that first week that Jesus is a builder and he builds through his body, the church. And so he's still doing that today, building. And so we looked at that week, at week number one. Number two, we looked, or the second week, we looked at uh, the life of Noah, that Noah was a builder. And, and, and of course, God told him to build an ark. And, and so we, talk about, we talked about we're building a saving church, a church that's going to save lives. And, you know, the church house, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not... It, it's not a, a cruise ship. It's a rescue ship. It's not for comfort. It's not for just, hey, yeah, let's, uh, kumbaya, let's, you know. It, and we do enjoy the presence of God, but this is not a cruise ship. We are building a rescue ship to save lives, to get people and rescue people from the, the, the gates of hell. That's what we're doing. And so we looked at that and talked about that in the second week. The third week we talked about Moses, that Moses was a builder and, and that he built a tabernacle for the presence of God and that we're a church building, building a church for the presence of God because it's the presence of God that makes all of the difference in the world. It's God's presence that there's the fullness of joy. And, in the, and, and the Bible says that the, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength and, and so it's God's presence that adds all the value in the world to our lives. And we're building a place where God can inhabit, where God can show up, where lives can change. We want that. We're so grateful for the presence of God. And then, and then uh, for week four, we talked about Nehemiah, that Nehemiah uh, was building the wall, and, and he, he called people to come and serve to do that. So we're building a serving church. A church that serves the lost, a church that serves people so that God can do what he wants to do. Jesus came. He knew if he was going to be able to reach the world that he had to come as a servant. He, he says, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. And as a result, you know that Jesus is still serving us. He's a servant leader, greatest leader that ever lived, ever will live. He is a great leader, but he was also a servant leader. And he served and still serving us today. And, and he's, the, he's the God of the universe and he came to serve. And he's called us to do the same because we're his body and therefore we ought to be serving. And therefore that's why we have a dream team here in our church so that people can give their lives away and make a life-giving difference in the lives of others. Today we're having 401 where we're training people in, in ministry. And we'd love to see everybody involved. We want to encourage you to do that. And that opportunity is made available for everybody that comes to Church on Move. And you can do that through our growth track. And, then, and so we looked at Nehemiah. But today what I want to do is I want to take you into who we're going to be looking at today in our last installment in this series. And it's the life of David.
David was a builder. David saw the Ark of, of, of the Covenant and, and, uh, and he saw it and he says, man, it was in a tent. And he says, hey, something's wrong about this. It needs to be in a temple. And he talked about building and, 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 and it, it, as we read today, we, found, we find out that he was wanting to build something that lasted. That wasn't something temporal, but something that was permanent. And uh, really what, what I see out of this, and we're going to talk about it today, he was be- and what we're going to do is, and what we're doing as a church is we're building a generational church, a lasting church, and that this is something that's going to outlive us. That when we're gone, it continues on. And it's going to continue on strong. It's not going to take a dip. It's going to keep on. It's going to keep on keeping on. Amen. For our children and our children's children and our children's children, if Jesus should tarry. And so we want to build something that just impacts forever. Amen. Amen. And so with that being said, I want to talk to you about I want I want us to look at First Corinthians. I mean, First Chronicles twenty-eight. And I'm going to talk to you about King David, and we're going to look at his life and how he was a builder. And here it says this. It says this about King David. It says David rose to his feet and said, "My brothers and my people, it was my desire to build a temple where the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, God's footstool, could rest permanently." And he says, I made the necessary preparations for it. I made the necessary preparations for it. So let's talk about the necessities for building a a lasting church, the necessities. The first thing that we're going to discover about King David is that he saw that was a necessity that we need to see that's a necessity in order to build something that is generational that's going to last forever is God. You would think I would not need to say that. You would think that, hey, we need God in the equation, that God is a must that must be in the equation in order for us to build something that's generational and lasting. But too often, I think sometimes we can get and start going through life and we can think that we can do it on our own. And thank God that God's given us the abilities that we have and the gifts and the talents and the, the, the smarts. Some of you are extremely smart. I look at you and I think, my goodness, you are so bright, so smart, so talented. And then I look at me and I think, how could you ever use me, God, in comparison to them? And I feel so inadequate beside some of you because you're just, you're just all that. You just are. Yeah, I'm talking about Jeremy back there. (laughs) But even though you're all that, we're nothing without God. I mean, what we build is so limited, so, so limited without God. We need God. So let's look at, let's look at before King David moved forward in building the temple, he got God's approval. He looked to God. He wanted God's wisdom. And in those days, they went to the prophet. And they got instruction. They got direction from the prophet. And King David did that. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1, it says this through verse 3. It says, when, when King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan, the prophet. Look, David said, 
I'm living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Go ahead, do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. In other words, you've got God's approval. Go for it, my friend. You can get after it. You can do it. You can, you can start preparations for that, for that building. And, and I, think, I think one of the reasons why uh, Nathan the prophet told uh, King David that he was able to go, go for it is because of King David's heart. If you read Acts chapter 13, verse 22, I love the way the mod- modern English version puts it. It says this. It says, when he had removed him, and it's talking about removing Samuel from, from being king, uh, not Samuel, uh, Saul from king. It says, when he removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified, saying, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, get this, who will fulfill my entire will. David had a heart for God. He, he added God into the equation of what he was doing with his life. And we must have God involved. We must make sure that what we're doing and what we're building, that we're building with God as our partner. Uh, Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. And without building, without our building without God, it always leads to short-term results. Remember Matthew's gospel talking about the two builders: the one building in the sand, the one building on on the rock. One that uh, the one that builds in the sand is the one that hears the word and doesn't do it. And when the storms come, and they do, storms come to us all. It says that that house will be destroyed, but the one that's built on the rock, when the storms come, it withstands the storm and it continues to stand. Why? Because it's, it's founded on God, its maker. And when we're, on, when we're founded on God, our maker, we continue to stand. We need God as our partner in our life in order to be able to do it. And, and let me tell you, I think I was thinking back of um, what, how can I illustrate this? And there were so many things that came to mind, but I thought about Billy Graham, who is admired by uh, pretty much anybody and everybody across this earth. And if you mention Billy Graham, almost probably in, any, in every country, they know who Billy Graham is. Because of the impact that he had. And if you know anything about the Reverend Billy Graham, he honored God with his life. Did he, was he perfect? No, I'm sure he has regrets like us all, but he had a heart after God. And he built what he built with God and God's help and God's direction in his life. And I think about, I think about the Reverend Billy Graham. Here he is, still alive, clo- pushing a hundred. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Pushing a hundred. And, and, and still making an impact with his life and with his ministry. And it's continued on. What he's built is, is being passed on. And it's, it's passed on through generation after generation to his son and his grandsons. And it's, it's being passed on. It's being, you know, the, the impact that's, gonna be, that's being made is going to be made for generations to come. I think about that. And when we build it on Jesus, when we build it on God... It continues to stand. But when we get away from God, and I'm, I thought about another guy, I'm not going to mention his name, but had been in ministry, I don't know, 20-some, 30 years, somewhere around there, 20-some-odd years. 
he started a church and for 16 years he pastored this church and took it from zero to, I think they were running 40,000 on a weekend. And then he, he got away from God. He, he got to drinking. Uh, he thought that casual drinking was okay and it, and it, it ended up into getting him uh, into a place of addiction and, and uh, his, uh, his elders fired him. And he lost it all. And what a sad thing. Listen, we can't do life without God. We can't do ministry without God. I can't do marriage without God. I don't want to. I need him. I need him. I need him for my everyday decisions. I need him for I need him just to get up in the morning and to just to just to get going in the morning. We need God. And if we're going to build anything significant, we need him as our partner. And, and, and let me tell you, King David, he knew that if it was going to continue to last, his legacy, his, his legacy, if it was going to continue to last, it was going to take God. The second thing that it takes that I want us to understand is it takes leadership. And I, 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 you know, probably all the people, all the people that I wanted to hear that aren't here today. Because I got all the leaders here. Amen? Say, I'm a leader. I got, I got a room full of leaders here today. Bo, are you a leader? Say, I'm a leader. I'm telling you you're a leader. We got leaders in this place. And, and so, so the second area is that it takes leadership. In First Chronicles uh, uh, 28, it says, He said to me, Talking about God, talking to David, King David. He says, you said to me, your son Solomon will build my temple and its courtyards. For I have chosen him as my son and I will be his, his father. And if he continues to obey my commands and my regulations as he does now, I will make his kingdom last forever. So now with God as our witness and in the sight of Israel and the, and the Lord's assembly, I give you this charge. Be careful. King David, I'm instructing you. Pay attention. Be careful. Watch how you live your life. Be a leader. You've got a son that I want to impact the world through, but I'm pointing to you. Be the leader that you need to be and should be. Step up to the plate. Make sure that you're doing this. He says here, be careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God so that you may continue to possess this land and leave it to your children as a permanent inheritance. Listen, if we're going to build a lasting church, a generational church, one that continues on, we need to make sure that we are stepping up and leading. Every one of God's people no exceptions need to be leaders. Everyone needs to be a leader. You may not be over a particular department or, or anything like that, but you need to be leading by your example. You need to be leading by your influence. 
You need to be leading by the decisions that you're making, the values that you're living by, the principles that you're living by. The, the, you need to be leading in every way because people are watching you. People will follow you. you. More is caught than taught. You may be saying one thing out of your mouth, but they're looking at your actions. And what you're doing with your actions is what they're going to follow. You need to be leading. People are going to be following you. And by the way, let me tell you something. Those within your authority, those within your, your sphere of influence, they are going to be affected by your decisions whether they see you or not, especially your children. The Bible says, I laid before you death and life, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you and your descendants may live. Make decisions, make decisions, step out of the boat, walk on water, do what's necessary to be the person of leader or leadership that you need to be. Be a leader. Start seeing yourself as a leader. I don't care if you're just born on this earth, you're called to be a leader. Or if you're 100 years old, like Billy Graham, you're still a, you're still a leader. All of us are needing to see ourselves as leaders. Male or female, regardless of who you are, you need to be a leader. It's sad, it's sad, it's sad, it's sad. Every year, thousands, 1,500 to 2,500, the two statistics that I hear consistently, of churches that close in America every month. And less are started. And if it continues on in this trend, guess what? We're going to have... Less and less churches. And let me tell you why. Most of the churches in America are small and they're small because people are not stepping up and being leaders like they need to be in in America. And let me tell you, probably one of the reasons is because we don't feel qualified. I remember when I first started out in ministry. Oh my gosh. Talking about, I wish we could go back and show all the bloopers. All the blunders. All the mess ups. All the stupids. I mean, all the pieces of stupid. I did so many pieces of stupid that stupid started looking good. I'm telling you. I just did so many things that it was, it was I mean, I just, all, I did, all I needed to do is I had the right heart. I just wanted to serve God. I just wanted to make an impact in people's lives. And so when I, uh, when I sensed that God wanted me to do something, I would just step out and I'd do it. And sometimes I'd trip all over my words and I'd say things that were so stupid and I'd walk away feeling like an idiot. But I did it anyway. And let me tell you, remind you about King David. When God called King David, his own family didn't even recognize him as being one of the leaders qualified to be a king. He was out tending sheep. Whenever uh, 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 Samuel had asked to see Jesse's sons so that he can anoint one of his sons as king, had them all lined up, and he went by each one. And he went to them all, and he says... They're not here, or he's not here. Do you have any other sons? Oh, yeah, I have a runt. He didn't say that, but I have, a, I, have, I have the youngest. He's out there tending sheep. Bring him in. He came in. Oh, that's the one. See, God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. And let me tell you, it's not just other people looking, looking at you. You look at yourself, and many times you disqualify yourself as well as other people disqualifying you. You and I need to step up, step up and be a leader regardless of 
who we or may not think we are. That's good preaching. I don't care what you say. Third thing I just want to share in, in closing that's necessary, something that people don't like to hear, it, but it's a, 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 and don't put it up on the screen yet. She works with me. I've, I mean, we're, we're an awesome team. But it's not a bad thing. It's a great thing if we'll learn to cooperate with it. And it's this. The third thing, if we're going to build a lasting church, a generational church, one that's going to continue to outlive us, is we got to have sacrifice. we got to be sacrificing. It, nothing great happens without sacrifice. Ever happens. Ever, anything ever great happens without sacrifice. And, and you know, David, even though uh, God said, listen... He said, King David, I'm, I'm sure that he just called him David, but I'll call him King David. King David, I mean David, he said, I don't want you to do it, but I want your son to do it. But I want you to be a big part of flipping the bill. I want you to be a big part of making it happen. And don't worry, I'm not trying to, I'm not going to take up an offering. Or, okay. <laughs> But it might be a good idea, huh, Bob? <laughs> Eric, you ready to do it, sir? <laughs> what was that saying? We've we've got it. No, I anyway, I don't remember. Anyway. <laughs> we've got it, it's in your pockets, give it up. Or something like that. <laughs> All right. Uh first Corinthians chapter chapter twenty nine, verse three through ten. It says now. Because of my devotion to the temple of God, I am giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help the construction. This is in addition to the building materials I have already collected for his holy temple. Now then, in verse 4, it says, Now then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? Then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals, the captains of the army, the king's administrative officers, all gave willingly. For the construction of the temple, they gave about 188 tons of gold, 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, and 3,750 tons of iron. They also contributed numerous precious stones which were deposited in the treasury of the house of the Lord. The people rejoiced over all the offerings for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord and, the, and King David was filled with joy. Man, don't you? He ought to be. What an offering. Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly and, O Lord, the God of our ancestor, Israel, may you be praised forever and ever and ever and ever. It continues to be a generational thing that makes a huge impact. I don't know about you, but I'm getting a little older, not much. And 
but I, you know, I, I've got another grandbaby that's, you know, going to show up any day. I'm asking him or her because we don't know who it is. Uh, we, and, never mind. Thank God for my grandchildren. I love my grandchildren. I move heaven and earth for my grandchildren. Got another one just going to be showing up pretty quick and going to melt my heart some more. And, uh, And there's not anything I wouldn't sacrifice to see them have the brightest future that they possibly could have. And I think the greatest sacrifice that I could ever offer them is a, is a, 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 a place of worship, a place where they could be nurtured with people around them that love God, that will continue to be there for them with not only our corporate worship, but also in having awesome people around them in small groups to be able to be there to encourage them during times of of trouble and storms and be there to encourage their potential and to help uh, feed them and sharpen them because iron sharpens iron. Uh, it's probably the greatest thing that I could do for them uh, because I don't have millions to leave them. But one thing I can leave them and I purpose to leave them and I'm going to continue to sacrifice to leave them is I'm going to leave them anything and everything that has to do with God. And I'm going to tell you, just because we've once, once had a great relationship with God doesn't mean that it's going to be passed on to the other generation. We have to continue to live. We have to continue to live a sacrificial life. The Bible calls us to live that. The Bible says to offer our lives as living sacrifices. And I know this, and I, we were talking about in our team meeting today, is that Many times we can become so faithful and so consistent that we, we, we're good at that and thank God for that and there's a plus for that and you don't, don't give, ever give that up. But we quit sacrificing. It once, maybe once at one time was a sacrifice to, to get there, but it has become a good habit in our life and a good practice and a good value in our life. But we quit sacrificing for, for, for moving us forward into where God wants us to get. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. And, and, and so faithfulness and in, in consistency can turn into comfort and complacency. And if we don't watch it, we can become complacent with where we're at. And if it's, I mean, isn't this good enough? It is, this is not good enough. For us as a church, we don't own this property. At some point, we need to be buying and building. Are you with me? And right now, we're, we're, we're uh, asking people to give. And I'm not going to carry that long. As a matter of fact, we're going we're gonna to switch gears on that somehow. And I'm grateful for you guys that have been giving, but we, we need to take care of that $25,000 uh, just equipment. And there's other things we need to do too. And so for you that know about that, we want to we attack and, and upgrade some equipment here and put some video uh, where we can put video online so people can watch it. We got people listening to our podcasts all over the world, in England and and different parts of the country and different parts in, in, in America. And, and so we're, we want to make an impact across the world. 
And so there's different things that we want to do. And so 25,000, if we can't knock that out, we can't knock out a building project. Are you with me? So pray about that. God will give you the means to make that happen. And thank you for, I think we're pushing around 2,000 towards that 25,000 that was given. We're almost to get the projector paid for, okay, and, and the screen. And so, so thank you so much for you have uh, contributed to that. But we, we've got to sacrifice. We've got to learn how to sacrifice just a little bit more. And let God challenge us. I'm not challenging you. Let, well, I am. But let God challenge you <laughs> through me. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And it's not just in your giving. It's in your serving. It's in everything that you do in life. Let's build this, let's build this kingdom for God. Let's be a part of it. We're the body he uses to do that. Right. Am I making sense? But here's where I'm wanting to take you. I was thinking about Joshua and how God used Joshua to take the children of Israel that wandered in the wilderness and, and for 40 years. What a shame. They experienced all these different things, the separating and the dividing of the Red Sea and, and the, uh, God delivering them from all the plagues. and all. I mean, so many miraculous things. Could you imagine giving water to a couple of million people where there's no water and God doing that and feeding them in the wilderness and not one of them sick? I mean, they experienced a supernatural provision of God. They had, they had a covering during the day. They had warmth during the night. They had the clouds during the day and the fire during the night. And God just supernaturally led them and they were still being rebellious. And so... That whole generation died off and God raised up another leader named Joshua and he says, I want you to lead them in there. And he says, here's the thing, if you're going to lead them, don't let my word depart from your mouth. Make sure it's in there all the time. Meditate on this word day and night. Observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. Put me first. And so he, God, he did that and, and then he let them in into the promised land. <sighs> victory after victory. Saw God move in powerful ways. And you would have thought that, that, from, that those, uh, from that generation on, they would have lived for God. But I'm going to tell you, somewhere, somehow, people quit. They quit sacrificing, doing what was necessary to pass it on to the next generation. Because this is what was said about Joshua after his death. That just bothers me to the core. That I don't want it to be said about any of us or uh, of church on the move. It says in Judges chapter 2 verse 10. That entire generation passed away. Talking about Joshua's generation. A new generation grew up that had no. Had not personally experienced the Lord's presence or seen what he had done for Israel. They didn't know God, another translation says. What a sad thing. What a sad thing to think that our children... I'm telling you, there are more churches dying off than are being raised up in America. And if it continues on, we're going to see a churchless generation. You might, we're in the Bible Belt. So you're thinking, oh, that couldn't happen. Get out of the Bible Belt. Go to other parts of the country. I mean, here it's at every corner. But let me tell you something. We're living 
in a godless generation already. And we need to sacrifice, do what is necessary to pass it on to our children and our children's children. And we've got some young people with us this morning. There are some of our dream teamers, uh, junior dream teamers. And I'm just, uh, I'm proud of them and we're raising them up because we're going to pass this on. They're going to lead this church. One day they're going to they're going to take the leadership and lead this church into something great. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father